It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise God. Beautiful. Praise God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll begin there. We've been studying the authority of the believer. Most of Christianity has no idea that it has authority. And because of that, they're subject to all kinds of attacks and things that the enemy tries to do to them. But once you have an understanding of your authority, I guarantee it will change your life. The, the teaching on this subject that actually began about 50 to 60 years ago, we personally are acquainted with those that begin to pioneer this teaching. One of the areas of the world in which the teaching began to just get flooded into, and actually uh, people did it at great risk to their lives. If they had got caught, they'd have been uh, put in, in prison or, or worse. And that was in the old Soviet Union. Uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's book, The Authority of the Believer, uh, people that we knew actually were taking hundreds of thousands of copies of that into the Soviet Union. And revival started breaking out all over, up in Siberia, uh, um, over in Poland, Czechoslovakia. We have friends, uh, uh, the, the Keatons that come to the church here and preach were pastors in Poland for 17 years. And, and God began to move all over that region. And then in the 80s, the wall came down and communists failed. And people say, well, I tell you, it's because we had such a good president. No, I'm telling you, it's not. It's because people begin to understand their authority, and they begin to take authority over all that junk that was going on, and it stopped. Amen. Same thing's going on in China right now. Right. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Uh, you know, it really doesn't do any good to pray for revival in China. You say, why not? Because they're praying for revival in America. I mean, they're, they're, having, they're having revival all over that nation. We have, we're acquainted with a ministry that used, they used to send us uh, uh, those big VHS videotapes, and they'd, show the, show a, they'd go into a little old farm in town, have 10,000, 15,000 people in it, and the whole town would be there listening to the teaching of the Word of God. And then they, then they, would, then they would pray one prayer, and the whole town would get saved. And then the power of God would fall, and all of them get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, it's shaking China right now. Other areas of the world, the same thing is happening. Uh, don't think North Korea is a lost cause. We know some things we can't talk about. But when you pray, pray over those believers there because they're exercising the authority of the believer. And in your own personal life, listen, if it's up to the enemy, he don't want you to have any information. He don't want you to know how well equipped you are. He don't, know how much he don't want you to know how much power that you have. He don't want you to know that he is defeated. He don't want you to know that Jesus is Lord over everything. He he'll make you think that he's in charge of everything, ruling everything. He isn't. I said he is, but he will if you let him. I said he will if you let him. So you've got to make a decision in your own life, in your own family's life, in your own ministry, your own job, in your own career, in that what you want to do. You've got to learn to exercise the authority of the believer in order to make your path the way that it should be and to follow the will of God. If you'll do that, you'll be unstoppable. Amen. I'm telling you, nothing stopped us here in Galveston. Galveston's one of those places nobody ever wanted to come to. I'm telling you, I've heard preachers say, man, ain't nobody needs to go to Galveston. Galveston, you go down there, you're going to die down there. We hadn't died. Amen. We've lived for the last 15 years. We've built a great church. We're so much bigger on the outside than we are on the inside, but the inside's fixing to catch up. Amen. Amen. That's why we've got to have two services because of all of our parking and issues that we have with Dollar Store next door. But if we had all of our congregation in here at one time, we'd have to get chairs out. 
Now, 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 in understanding that, we're fixing to see, or fixing to be on the greatest precipice of the greatest outpouring of God that this island's ever seen. God loves doing stuff like that. He loves going to places where people say it can never happen and make it happen. Amen. But it's going to take some authority. You're going to have to make a decision to live for God, make a decision to exercise your authority, and make a decision, I ain't going to let the devil kick me around, kick my mind around, kick my body around, kick my finances around, kick me around any longer. If you do, if you don't, then he will. But if you'll make that decision, he can't. Now, now let me just say, there's people that have this type of thing. Well, I, I'm just believing God to do that for me. Well, how is he going to do it? Jesus is risen. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he got all the authority that used to belong to man before man fell in the garden. Not only that, he coupled his authority with that. Now we have authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority in the power of the Holy Ghost. We have authority in the power of the Word of God. We have authority just because of our identity, who we are in Christ. But we have to implement and exercise that. Just like a police officer. Uh, we were somewhere and there was a little, uh, we were down in, uh, at the weenie dog race. In, uh, <laughs> that shows you how we live. In the weenie dog race down in uh, Crystal Beach. And there was a little old bitty, I'm telling you she couldn't have been five foot tall, uh, a Galveston Sheriff's Department officer. And she was directing traffic. She was standing there. She had a big old gun on one side. She was dressed up in a uniform. She had a big old badge right here. And she put her hand up and all those cars will stop. Well, she don't have any power in the natural to do that. A golf cart could run her over. Amen. But she had recognizable authority. And not only that, if you'd have run her down, she had backup. In the spirit realm, that's how you, that's how you look. You have recognizable authority. You just need to learn about it. You just need to know about it. So you can exercise it. Listen, it'll bring peace to your home. It'll bring stability to your finances. It'll bring health to your body. It'll help you be promoted in the things of God, whatever you desire to do in your heart. And I guarantee you, you will find true success when you understand there is that in this world system that don't want you to have any success. It wants you destroyed. It wants you washed up on the shore of doubt and unbelief when God wants to put faith on the inside of you so you can rise up and do his will. Now, we left off here last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the scripture that Pastor Leo used. I'll read it in the King James. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, here's something we have to understand. There's always been erroneous teaching, wrong teaching on spiritual warfare. Any teaching that has to do with us defeating the devil, us defeating demon powers, it's wrong. Man, I've seen so much crazy stuff. People... People have these deliverance services, you know, where everybody's got a demon, got this demon, that demon. They, they, they had three ladies one time. One, a friend of mine who's uh, uh, gone on to be with the Lord, but was in the ministry, used very powerfully, uh, preached to hundreds of thousands, even millions of people. And three ladies wanted to pray for him and get him uh, delivered of a demon that made him want to wear fancy clothes. He told those ladies, I think I'll keep them. Uh, people get in the ditch with that kind of stuff. Satan is defeated. Demon powers are defeated. And listen, Christians are not possessed, obsessed, or oppressed by hordes of demons. Christians belong to Jesus. I said Christians belong to Jesus. But just like if you went home 
and opened your front door and opened all your windows. Didn't have any kind of alarm system. Didn't resist anybody that would come into your house to steal, kill, or destroy from you. All the criminal element of your neighborhood would come in and take everything you had. You have to do something. You have to resist them. Now, this warfare, everybody say warfare. This warfare that we're talking about here is a personal warfare. We'll see in just a moment. We saw it last week. The battleground is where? In your mind. There is a fight that goes on in the minds of men and women. And you must make a decision. I'm going to win that fight. I'm not going to let the devil influence my mind. I'm not going to let demon forces. I'm not going to let the world system do it. I want God to influence my thinking because what you think is what you say. What you say is what you have. Let me say that again. What you think is what you say. What you say is what you have. I've always been amazed at that. That is not a Christian principle. That is a human principle that God put into humanity when he created humanity. I always go back to the, to the, to the, to the story I heard about uh, Michael Jordan, the basketball player. How his coaches got up and testified and said he wasn't the best player on our team. The, the junior high coach didn't put him on the starting roster. In high school, he didn't start till he was a junior. Uh, they recruited him there at North Carolina, and really it wasn't until his junior year at North Carolina he began to blossom. But this is what they said. From the seventh grade on, grade on they said you couldn't persuade, dissuade him. Everywhere he went, bouncing that basketball, he would say this, I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA. I'm going to be the greatest player. In the... You know why he said that? He thought that. He thought that, he said that, he became that. And I heard some of the coaches said, we had greater talent, but we didn't have anybody that believed in themselves more than Michael Jordan did. And what did he become? In most people's opinion, the greatest player that ever played the game. Why? Belief. The belief system of the human being is a powerful thing. Your belief system is made up of what you believe in your heart and what you say in your mouth. And Satan is always trying to influence that. He's looking for an expression through you, trying to get you to literally walk outside of your rights and privileges as a Christian. And I'm telling you, that's a miserable way to live. Amen? God doesn't want you living miserably. Because some people just get used to their misery. He wants you to have a joyful life, peaceful life, healthy life, wealthy life, and a blessed life. And I'm going to tell you what, he's done everything he can do to get it to you. Amen? So, everybody say war. So, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? They are intricate patterns of thought which go against the grain of what God has given us in Christ. They are developed through repetition. I don't know if anybody's ever been deep enough into any type of a sport. I'm sure some of you have, many of you have, in which you, you, you condition your reflexes uh, to, to react, where it's even beyond your mind. I, I did that when I was real young, when I was a young teenager in rodeo. I, I did that, I've done that for 40, oh Lord, 45 years now as a surfer. I, when I go out surfing, I don't think about how to surf. I have no thought process in my mind about how to surf. Usually I'm thinking about how to cut Gabe off or JB off. That's usually what I'm thinking about. <laughs> but they can tell you, they've both been surfing for many years. You've got a preconditioned way that your body just begins to respond. And you can go out there and have conversations with people and talk to people. Then you see other guys out there, they're trying their best to do it. They're trying to think to do it. They're trying to react to do it. But no, if you do it long enough, it becomes a stronghold. Amen. There are good strongholds. There are bad strongholds. 
There are negative strongholds that are in all of our minds because of the preconditioning of sin in our life. And listen, those type of things the enemy will use against you to intimidate you. He will use it to keep you confused. He will use it to cause strife in your life and in your family. But I guarantee if you can address them and begin to tear them down by the word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost, you can free yourself from those types of strongholds and be free from that type of thinking. Listen, ain't none, of that, none of that stinking thinking out there is right. Now, don't get mad at me. Say, I'm not going to get mad. I, I, I'm going to love you, Pastor Rusty. But listen to this. Black thinking ain't right. White thinking ain't right. Hispanic thinking ain't right. Asian thinking ain't right. All types of the ethnic thinking, if you really submit yourself to that type of thinking, what it will do, it will segregate you from the races, it will give you an elite opinion of yourself, and literally it'll put a prejudice in you. But if you'll make a decision, it ain't the color of my skin, it's the condition of my heart. I'm not white, black, Hispanic, yellow, green, or striped. I'm blood washed. Amen. Amen. And when you begin to understand that and realize that, then all the ethnic thinking of your life gets purged out of you, and you, get, you begin to think like you really are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You won't think broke anymore. You won't think, think debt anymore. You won't think failure anymore. You won't think that way anymore. You'll think what God says about you. Amen. Amen. So we've got weapons. Everybody say weapons. But they're not carnal. Uh, you can't do this with a gun or a cannon or, or, or a missile. It's done by the Word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now notice this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. I remember last week we talked about imaginations. Oh, my God. We are the most overly stimulated people on the planet. Hollywood has stimulated our imagination to the point that you can't gather but two or three hundred people come hear the Word of God. But if you go over here to the convention hall and have a convention celebrating Star Trek, they'll show up by the thousands. Now let me help you a little bit. There is no Starship Enterprise. I'm so sorry to, to, to bring this. Now, I know it's usually good news here, but people say, there's not? No, it's a little prop they use. There is no planet Vulcan. There are no people with pointy ears unless they made them that way. Amen. None of, it's all imagination, but people respond to it. They respond. Well, who did we talk about last week? Old Yeller. How many cried at the end of Old Yeller? He didn't die. He finished the scene and went over and ate a pan of food. You know, and everybody petted him. Good old, good boy, good boy. Amen. You've got to get into your mind and you've got to begin to determine what are the sources of these thoughts. Because see, the enemy, he'll try to put an imagination in you because he knows he is not a creator, you are. See, people don't like to hear that, but you are. You are made in the likeness and image of God, and the sum total of your life right now is what you believed in your heart and created with your mouth. Amen or oh me. And if you don't like the condition you're in, then you can change it by the Word of God and by changing your thoughts and changing your words. Come on, church. And when you make a decision, I ain't living like this no more. I ain't living tormented in my mind. I'm not living in fear. I'm not living in depression. I'm not living with this. And listen, I'm telling you, as much as the, 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 the medical community tries to treat mental issues, social issues, 
soulish issues, they come up short. All they can really do is write you a prescription. And what does that do? Dumb you down. Now, what did we say last week? This doesn't work if you've got a lazy mind. Anything that you don't work on is going to get lazy. Amen. I mean, I wish you wasn't like that. I'm, I'm 61 years old. I still got to go to the gym. I still got to work out. I still got to eat right. I still got to I wish you wasn't like that. But it's like that. You've got to take your mind out of the lazy mode. And you've got to begin to take the Word of God and use it against that which the enemy is trying to torment your mind with. He'll torment you with thoughts of failure. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And that's the enemy that does that because he don't want you to make it on any level. But if you will allow the Word of God to come in and build some spiritual strongholds, some Word strongholds, some Holy Ghost strongholds, you say, what do you mean? I got some stuff in me. You couldn't beat it out of me with a baseball bat. The greasy spot left on the, on the street would still cry out, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It takes time. You do it through repetition. Amen. So there's imaginations you've got to what? Cast down. Everybody say cast down. Now, here's what we said last week in equipping you. You cannot fight a thought with a thought. Oh, I had a bad thought. I'm going to think a good thought. Think good things. I'm going to think flowers and puppies, fluffy clouds. It doesn't work. I said it doesn't work. You fight thoughts with words. You have to speak. You've got to open. Now, words are unique because they're the only thing that touch both realms. They touch the spirit realm. They touch the natural realm. But you know, I said that for years. I said it was the only thing. The other, the other day I was studying, and I began to see in the Word of God, not only that, there, your mind has the ability to touch both realms. Because in your mind, you can think on spiritual things, or in your mind, you can think on natural things. And if all you ever think about is on natural things, then that's all you're going to have is natural. But I love thinking on spiritual things. Man, I'll be flying off to a conference or driving to a conference somewhere, and I'm just thinking about what God might do in that thing. I mean, when I was flying over to Ireland, when was it? Back in April. Man, I was flying on the airplane, cruising. They'd fed us a nice dinner. I was cruising, and we were probably uh, about a third of the way through the flight, and I just begin to take time. I cut off the television, cut all that stuff off, kicked back in my first-class seat. You say, you fly first-class? I don't think coach no more. I flew a million miles in coach. I quit thinking coach. God put me in first class. Amen. Shows you how it'll change. And I just begin to think about how, how blessed I was. I was going to go all over the nation and then end up in a great conference in Dublin. Man, we got to Dublin and it was standing room only crowds. And we saw signs and wonders and miracles and the power of God in manifestation. We were able to help our missionaries. The church was edified. Got good news. Church just got a new building to seat 2,000 people. Somebody ought to rejoice. Did I tell you the story? I didn't tell you the story. About three weeks after our conference, man, we just had a glorious conference. People came from all over the nation. About three weeks after the conference, the fire marshal walked into the church during a service and shut it down and said, you're out of here. Just like the devil. Amen. So they begin to pray. They begin to intercede. They begin to believe God. And they were able to get a contract on the old boxing stadium. Where's the Cortezes? <laughs> We've got the boxing stadium in, in Dublin, Ireland now that seats 2,000 people. So their little church only sat about 300, 350, and they had to have four services on Sunday to hold all the people. Now they got one that's going to seat the whole church. 
But they could have thought, oh, it's over. Have to shut down the church. They could have thought that. They could have thought, well, we're defeated, but they didn't think that. They kept thinking, God's got a supply for us. God's got favor for us. God's got blessing for us. They'd call me, I'd just encourage, I'd say, keep looking. Drive around that city, pray in the Holy Ghost. God will open your eyes, and that's just what God did. And they got that building. And we're fixing to go here in another few months, do another conference there. Isn't that great? you got to do it. Imaginations. The enemy is always trying to put some imagination in you. You get a mosquito bite, you look into the mirror, and the devil says, it's terminal cancer, you'll be dead in a week. I just got bit by a mosquito, you know. Come on, but that's how he operates. Then it says this. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Remember we talked about the wild horses last week, running around in your mind. You've got to address those things. You cannot think that way. You've got to make a decision to say to yourself, I ain't thinking like that no more. I'm not thinking defeat. I'm not thinking lack. I'm not thinking failure. I'm thinking success. And you force yourself by the Word of God to do it. Then you'll create a pattern of thought that will bring blessing to your life. Now, real quick, go to Isaiah. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing great. Everybody say he's doing great. I like when the church says that. Isaiah 55. We'll try to get to Romans. If we don't, we'll pick it up next week. Anybody learning anything in this? you got to learn these things. These are some of the things that way back, 33 years ago, going on 34 years now, man, I was a, I was a mess. I mean, I, I was, y'all know my testimony, how I was raised in church, raised under the things of God, raised in a great move of God. God called me to preach. I said, no way. Two things I didn't like, lawyers and preachers. My dad was a lawyer to preachers. Preachers would come over our house and sit on our couch and cry and cry and cry until dad opened up their check, his checkbook and then they'd be all happy. I didn't like that. That bugged me. I'm telling you, it just bugged me. Then God called me to preach when I was 17. I said, oh, yeah, right. Watch this, God. Then when I turned 27, I was like, help me, Jesus. Amen. I, and then God had mercy on me. Took just what he said when I was 17. Put me right back into the ministry. That's the way God is. He loves you. You're valuable to God. He has mercy for you when you've made mistakes. He'll help you no matter what you're involved in. He'll help you in your life. Now, here in, here in, here in Isaiah, let's read here. In, did I tell you chapter 55? Let me find it here. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he was near. For every person, there are times in life when God tries to draw you near to him. Ain't nobody in here. You say, well, I'll tell you what, I was just looking for God. No, you weren't. So I was doing drugs, I was drinking, I was really looking for God. No, you weren't. You were looking for self. I heard a guy say that one time. Life is a quest to find yourself. Well, when you find yourself, you will not be very excited. <laughs> Amen. It will, not, it will not thrill you when you find yourself. Life is a quest to find him. But there are times in every person's life, because we pray, we intercede, we believe God, that God begins to draw, God begins to pull on your heartstrings. He begins to pull on you. And what he's saying is this, I love you. Come to me. I got answers for you. I got blessing for you. I got power for you that you don't have. Come to me. That's what God does in everyone's life. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he was near. Now, I wrote this down when I was studying last night. There are those that tend to think they can live like they want 
then when God is needed, he'll just show up at their beck and call. Ain't going to happen. You got to live like God wants you to live. Now, what is the problem with that? Why, 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 why are we not holding church in the football stadium? Why isn't everybody all excited? Because most people's idea of Christianity is this. If I become a Christian, that's it for me. No more fun. Come on, how many used to think that before you got saved? That's exactly how you thought. Fun's over. No more fun. I tell you, we have more fun on accident than the world has on purpose. You know, you talk about, oh, I can't drink no more, can't do drugs no more. You know, can't chase women or chase men, whatever your preference is, amen. <laughs> can't chew tobacco no more, amen. What the guy, what the old preacher says, this guy asking, can I go, if, if I chew tobacco, can I go to heaven? The wise old preacher said, yeah, you can, but you got to go to hell to spit. Amen. All the vices of life that people say, this will give you true joy. This will give you true peace. This is what's really fun. They're wrong. They're wrong. And you know, when you're young and, and strong and, you know, sowing your wild oats, so to speak, the problem is, is you sow them when you're young, you reap them when you get middle-aged. Amen. 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 And I'm telling you, it'll come up in a bitter harvest. But the good news is, at a young age, you can start to sow righteousness. Sowing in sin always produces pleasure. There's pleasure in sin. It feels good. It looks good. But that doesn't mean it is good. But when you're young, I was just 27 years old when I came back to the Lord. And there were a lot of people doing a lot of things. And a lot of people wanted me to do it with them. And I wasn't doing it anymore because it was causing death in my life. And I said, no, I'm finished with that. I threw away my little black book. All my paraphernalia of every kind. Amen. I don't have any more bongs. I don't own a roach clip. God's speaking to somebody here this morning. I don't know who it may be. Amen. I got rid of it all. I didn't need it anymore. I was going to live righteously. Now let's do it again. There are those that tend to think they can live like they want. Then when they need God, he'll just show up. At their beck and call. They'll be sorely disappointed. Why? Because God says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Now listen to this. Let the wicked forsake his ways. There are ways that are wicked. You say, what do you mean? They'll hurt you. They will hurt your life. Don't do that. Everybody say, don't do that. And, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So there is unrighteous thinking. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy. Thank God for mercy. That's what the guilty need is mercy. He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. Now listen, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which to I please and it shall prosper in the thing and whereto I send it. Now, this is a process. Everybody say a process. First of all, God is telling us, you don't think like me. 
Y'all know the story. I've, I've told it before. I, I just, I like this. It's a cool story. And I forget, I forget today, I forgot, so I might remember tomorrow, but I forgot today, whether it was Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas, one of the two great golfers that had an impact on the game of golf. In the late 60s, was, was uh, invited by a Saudi Arabian king or sheik to come and teach him the game of golf. Amen. I don't like golf. I don't like any sport. Whoso purposes to put me into a hole. <laughs> Amen. So I don't play golf. But anyway, the, the, this golfer goes over there. Now, this king had built a lavish golf course, you know, brought water in and, 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 and built the greens and the fairways and all of that. And he spent six weeks with this professional golfer learning how to golf. Now, this king sent a private jet over there, picked him up, brought him over there, gave him just a, the most beautiful room to stay in, lavished him with all kinds of great meals and anything that he could want, and then paid him very handsomely. Now, at the end of this, when he was fixing to get back on this, this Saudi Arabian sheik's private jet and fly back to his hometown, this sheik had gotten to know him, gotten to like him, said, I want to give you something. The golfer was very gracious. He said, you don't have to give me anything. You've paid me plenty of money, and I've had a great time. You don't have to. He said, no, I want to give you something. He said, no, you don't have to. He said, no, no, what do you want? So being gracious, this, this, this golf professional said, well, just give me a golf club. Golf club? He said, yeah, a golf club. And so he got on a, that, that king's private jet and he flew back to, to America, took up his profession, continued to play in the tournaments. And he kept thinking, I wonder what kind of club he'll send me. I wonder if it'll be gold, maybe encrusted with diamonds. I can put it up on the wall, put a plaque, Sheik something something gave me this, king of whatever country. So six months went by and he never got a golf club. And he was all Stirred up at, well, you know, he said he was going to send me a golf club. Well, anyway, I, I was compensated. Then one day, a lawyer came and knocked on his door. He came in. He said, I represent King such and such from over in the Middle East. And I'm here to present you with a golf club. And he took out a deed to a 90-acre golf club. You say, why do you say that? Because kings don't think like we do. They think higher. I said that. They think higher. And you've been redeemed by a king named Jesus. I said you've been redeemed by a king named Jesus. And he don't want you thinking like some peasant. He wants you thinking like a king. So number one. Everybody say number one. You've got to recognize you don't think like God. I've said this for years. One of the greatest days of your life and one of the greatest deliverances of your life is the day you get delivered from being God. You say, what do you mean by that? The day you get delivered from making all the calls, calling all the shots, sitting on the throne of your life, thinking you got it all in control. The day you get delivered from that and you say, I got to have God in my life. I've got to have some divine control. I've got to have some power in my life. It's going to be one of the greatest days of your life. Amen. So my thoughts, now, if his thoughts aren't our thoughts, then his ways aren't our ways. How's God going to do something? I ain't got a clue. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He's going to do it his way. You know, I found this out about God and really serving the Lord. I mean, really serving the Lord for 33, 30, almost 34 years now. I found this out. He don't need my advice. I wish I could give it to him a few times. Especially when it comes to my marriage, but <laughs> boo. 
Not really, just kidding. I don't go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm here to advise you today on, you know, how you should do this in my life. And He doesn't listen a lick. He just turns the, the button over to off. Amen? No, He knows everything. Not only that, He knows how to do everything. He's got ways that are so far beyond your thoughts and imaginations. You've got to let God be God because His thoughts are not your thoughts and His ways are not your ways. You say, well, how does that help us when it comes to our authority? You've got to understand there's an authority that God has released in the Spirit through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that has empowered you, but it's not going to work according to the way you think it's going to work. It's going to work according to the way He has designed it, and you've got to get your thinking lined up with His thinking so it will work in your life. So that when you say, in the name of Jesus, when your little child is suffering with a fever and you say in the name of Jesus get out of my child it'll happen so when the enemy is tormenting your mind with thoughts of failure thoughts of unbelief you say in the name of Jesus get out of my mind he'll get out he'll run from you the Bible says in stark terror amen now notice it kind of almost sounds like it's out of place because he's talking about his thoughts and his ways being higher than our thoughts and our ways. And then he talks about the snow and the rain that comes down from heaven and waters the earth and causes the earth to do what? Bring forth and bud. Now listen, without that process, none of us would have had breakfast this morning. It's called seed time and harvest. So literally what God is telling us in Isaiah is this. You've got to allow my thoughts to become your thoughts my ways to become your ways, or you will not enter into the processes of God. Remember, remember over there in, in, in Romans 4, it talked about Abraham. How he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully persuaded. Now, we've lived in those processes. Lee and I have lived in the processes all of our marriage. I've done it all of our ministry. As a church, we've lived in those processes. What have been the results? Supernatural things. So many people have been healed. Oh, one of the guys that sang, sings on the praise team this morning. What, what's it? Mike came. No, not Mike. The, oh, Michael B. He came up this morning. He, he, had, he had injured his elbow real bad. Oh, that was Luke. Okay. He came up and, well, Mike was healed of, healed of uh, sugar diabetes. When he had had it, how many years? 25 years of sugar diabetes. 25 years. And he went to the doctor and they had the, the meeting. Where the doctor said, this begins the point in which your disease is going to greatly affect your body. You can expect to go blind. You can expect to have the, your foot cut off. And he said, not me. And he came and listened, what, six weeks of my teaching. Then he came up, we laid hands on him. He went back to the doctor. Now, this is, what the, this is his own testimony. Remember, we had him give it on a Sunday night. He got up and said, not only do you not have diabetes any longer, but 25 years of the deterioration of the disease in your body, we can't find it. Amen. Then Luke this morning came up and he's like, you messed up my arm. And we just laid hands on him. He said, wow. <laughs> well, see, that's how God thinks. God, his promises have the ability to fully persuade you of what he has promised he can perform. So we've seen healings. We've seen breakthroughs. The, 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 the storm destroyed our church. And, and they told us, well, if you don't have flood insurance, you can't, you're not getting no money. Well, we didn't get no money. But God supernaturally bought hundreds of thousands of dollars into our hand. We bought a piece of land all over town. That church, I never buy that land. They'll never get that. Thank God we didn't listen to them. 
$1.38 million. We walked into that, that closing office, paid cash for it. Amen. You say, what are those? They're supernatural. We can't. We, you must have had a great fundraising program. We didn't. Do any of you remember a fundraising program? We didn't. We had little squares up there we tried to do. That raised about $30. Remember that? No, God brought it in supernaturally. Supernaturally it came. We're going to build that building. How? Supernaturally. You say, because we're not trying to figure out. How did a guy contact me the other day? Well, I'll raise the money, but you got to give me 20%. I thought, what kind of deal is that? You'll raise the money. You can go raise the money. You'll come and rip people off is what he'll do. We don't do that. We do it by faith. We do it God's way. We use God's thoughts. We tithe. We offer. We sow. Uh, uh, this month, this month, John Avellini will be with us. He, he, he pastors a church in Munich, Germany. Devil attacked their church. There's devils over in Europe. Amen. I'm telling you, we got into a into fire for the nations last year. Spirit of God began to move. We took a three hundred fifty thousand dollar offering for Egan Falk. They just had a they just had a uh, ministers conference in which twenty one hundred ministers came and got ministered to in Tanzania, Africa. We got to pay for that building. In the meantime, I met I met John. The Lord spoke to me. He said, "Give him fifty thousand dollars." I said, "What?" Give him $50,000. I said, uh, are you sure? So I obeyed God. The next morning, we were having breakfast. He said, I called my wife last night. He's going he's to come just to tell the testimony. He said, I called my wife last night. She said, I got to tell you something. She said, no, I got to tell you something. She said, no, let me, say, let me go first. She said, I was driving around. They're in Munich, Germany. I was driving around. And a voice spoke to me and said to me, you're fixing to get $50,000. She said, I looked in the back seat. I thought somebody was in the back seat. She said, that's the strangest thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, I never had anything happen to me like that in my life before. And then John said, I got the check in my pocket. Isn't that fun? I tell you, that's a lot of fun. Amen. But you've got to let God be God. Because if you don't think his thoughts, if you don't adopt his ways, you're never going to enter into his processes. And you're going to live by your intellect, by your mind. When God has called you to live by your spirit. The real you that's on the inside. Now let me close. This is my closing. We're called to walk by understanding. Ephesians chapter 1. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. We just, one of the members of our church just retired from I don't know how many years of, of flying a big jet airliner. She ended up as a captain for one of the big airliners. Now, when I fly, I don't know much. I get simple explanations. My office arranges tickets. They tell me what airport to go to, tell me what company that I'm flying. I go there. They tell me what gate to go to. At the gate, they tell me what seat to sit in. Four little points of information that have to do with my trip to Manila or to Dublin or to Managua or wherever I'm going. Amen? But that ain't the whole story. Because it's not real easy to get 40 tons of metal up in the air and keep it there for 14 hours and then land it in Japan or somewhere. That takes a lot of know-how. You've got to know about communications. You've got to know about navigation. You've got to know about thrust and lift. All, now, 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 that captain that just retired, they could probably sit down with me and talk to me for a long time, and I might get a little inkling of an explanation. So I 
just choose to have faith in the captain and in the airlines. They haven't failed me yet. Now, we're like that with God. God, you're going to have to show me how this works. He ain't going to do it. Man's thoughts, just for a second. Let's talk about the big question. Everybody say the big question. Anybody know what the big question is? What happens to me when I die? So man, and even religion, it's even creeped into Christianity, will tell you, you better be good. You better be good. Because when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And God's going to put you on a big old scale. You're going to be right in the middle like this. On one arm is going to be all your good works. Other arm is going to be all your bad works. Uh-oh. So everybody goes around trying to be good. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. What does God say about going to heaven? God says, John chapter 3, you must be born again. Now right there, your mind goes, because it happened, he told that to a man named Nicodemus. What did Nicodemus say? You mean I got to enter again a second time into my mother's womb? Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus said it like this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You've already got a physical body. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And as we've taught here in redemption for years, you're born into the human family. And if you die in the human family, you get the reward of the human family. That's why you want to do everything you can do to get out of the human family. What can I do? You get born again. Well, I, I guess you just got to go on the mission field or pastor a church. No, 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 no. All you have to do is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says you shall be saved. That's it. You say it can't be. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. See, that's your mind. That's your mind. Uh, what, about, what about prosperity? Man, you're talking about all that giving. I need, why well, you need to give me some money. I have people all the time telling me, you need to give me some money. No, you need to give me some money. You say, what do you mean by that? I'll put it in the kingdom of God. It'll work for you. Amen. Giving to give. Say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. To give away money and it comes back to you. The Bible has 2,000 scriptures that deal with giving and receiving and all of them showing the believer when he gives, God receives his offering. You give it on earth, but in heaven it's received by Jesus. There's not a transfer of funds up there. He's not handling gold bullion or American dollars. He's handling your faith. Then it comes back to you how? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You say, does it work? It does. But you've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your mentality. When it comes, when it comes to, to healing. Now listen, I'm not against doctors. We have doctors in our congregation. Right? Uh, two sitting in here right now and, and one that was here this morning. Or, or No, there's Doc right there. And, but, but listen, we'll thank God for, but what if something happens to you that the doctor says, nothing we can do for you? Amen? I heard the testimony this week of a little old granny, 82 years old, stomach cancer. She had wasted away to nothing. They said, the, the, the minister that was telling the story said her hand, she could hold her hand up against the light. It was like tissue paper. You could almost see through it. So this minister went to visit her, and exactly her pastor. And she said, just let me go. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to die. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. See, he understood his authority. He said, I'm not going to let you go. You're not dying like this. So we're going to get you healed. Then if you want to go to heaven, you can go to heaven. So they begin to pray. They begin to speak the word of God over her. And God healed her of that stomach cancer. And she lived to be 94 years old. And was stronger in those last years of her life than she was when she was 82. It's not the will of God that you get sick and die. 
Let me say that again. It's, I see, that's what the world will tell you. Well, you better have all your medicine. You better have your Medicaid. You better have your Obamacare. You better have your Trump care. You better have this. You better have that. No, what you need is the Word of God. Because, honey, there are diseases out there that if you get them, they can't do nothing about it. Thank God for healing. By His stripes, we're healed. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Amen. Uh, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It quickens. It makes alive our mortal body. You say, well, I'm just struggling. No, you don't need to struggle anymore. You need to change your thinking. Amen. And in every area of life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, in Leonie's marriage, we made a decision not to think like normal people. You say, you're not normal people? No. We're not. We're abnormal. We don't want to be normal. Anybody can be normal, and I found out normal is boring. Amen. So I don't beat her near as much as I used to. <laughs> Amen. We don't argue. We don't fight. She knows I'm right. Amen. We don't believe in divorce. Murder maybe, but not divorce. Just kidding. No, we've adopted these principles into our life. It's put peace in our home. Amen. We have peace in our home. Amen. And I'm telling you, your peace can be challenged in your home, but you can make a decision to walk in authority and to change your thinking and allow the presence of God to come into your home and give you a little slice of heaven on earth. But it's up to you. I think the problem, this is my last thought. I think, it might not be my last thought. <laughs> Amen. I think the biggest problem in Christianity is people put all this weight on God. God do it. God do it. God do it. God do it. It's real. The question is not what is God going to do? Because in reality, you study the Word of God. He's already done it all. First Peter says, excuse me, Second Peter says, He's already given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness and through the precious promises of God. We're partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is healed. The divine nature is blessed. The divine nature is prosperous. The divine nature is joy. God's not sitting up in heaven saying, well, I'm telling you what, here's one. I like this guy. I'm going to give him a little. Let me sprinkle a little off the banister of heaven on him. But this guy's an idiot. No, that's how we do things. God's mercy is abundant and rich toward anybody that will respond to Him. Then what He does is He releases what He's already done for us. That's why it takes faith to believe it. That's why we teach so much on faith, teach so much on redemption, teach so much on spiritual authority so that you can rise up and do what? See, people, oh Lord, you changed change my life, changed my marriage, changed my body, changed my... And God says, No. Your prayer to God for change is always no. But when you get on your knees and say, God, change me. Now you got a yes. Because if he can change you, you'll take care of the family problem. You'll take care of the health problem. You'll take care of the financial problem. Why? Because he's given that authority to you. Amen. Amen. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, no matter what you're facing, life, marriage, health, career, no matter what it is, it'll change. And God will give you the success that he wants you to have. Amen. You love the Lord. Brother Frank, go to the keyboard real quick. Lift your hands and thank God for the word today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Father, forever, O oh Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. And we thank you that the word of God today settles in our hearts, settles up in our spirits, 
and we become doers of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Real quickly now, ever head bow. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.